Um, I was I was led to believe that the glass would be half full, not half empty. Like it currently is ridiculous devastation in my career. Podcast terrible. Burning this whole podcast to the ground. Poison the drinks for the boys. Okay. Uh, happy holidays, everybody. Welcome to our first happy podcast. Of, we're recording in December. I am Ronnie for the Wasted Potential podcast for our glass half full. And with me is my co-host, and here to give his perspective on women's rights to abortion, Shane. Yeah. Mm. So, I thought I was going to lead the podcast on this one. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you didn't get the memo. Oh, good. Yay, I think y'all know what we're watching now. <laughs> what are we watching, Shane? We're watching uh, Three Friends and a Jackass. <laughs> no, we're watching the classic uh, 90s comedy based off of the uh, comic strip. Strip. Yeah. Dilbert. Mm-hmm. Written by uh, Mike Judge. The movie is Office Space. The movie that surprisingly a lot of people can quote but haven't watched all the way through. <laughs> I think we'll get into that when we get to like the changes, actually. But um, uh, this is your first time listening. Um, it's been a while since we've done A Glass Half Full, since The Crow. Our usual podcasts are just us shitting on things, and Glass Half Full is a little different because we talk about things we actually enjoy. So this week, Shane picked the 1999 comedy. Threesomes. Oh, no. And, uh, yeah, that. Office Space. <laughs> two, two chicks at the same time <laughs> okay so what we do is um uh, i'll interview shane about this movie because he picked it and we have a couple questions to kind of start us off and then we will divulge into chaos but shane do you have us a, a half-baked synopsis of the film for those who are uninitiated imagine a world ruled by cubicles <laughs> where the eye of sauron carries a mug <laughs> in this world you are ron livingston is Anne cheating on you? I think so. I get that feeling. <laughs> <laughs> One night, during a hypnotism gone wrong and a coronary on a fat guy, Ron Livingston changes his life forever. Peter decides he doesn't give a fuck anymore <laughs> and basically starts to quit his job and gets a promotion for it. But then a side plot occurs for some reason about the three friends robbing the place they're in, and shenanigans ensue, ending with a stapler, $300,000, and a burned down building. And lots of flair. So, first question, Shane, when did you first see the movie Office Space? It's a long time ago, because I remember like my parents quoting it. My dad used to make the O face sound all the fucking time. The ow, ow, ow. When you were a child? Well, he'd make jokes at parties, like with friends. I never understood it, but now I get it. <laughs> and then the trauma ensues upon Shane's life. So I think I saw it really young. Probably didn't get half the jokes. Just knew that my parents laughed at it. And then I watched it again in high school, and I've kind of seen it a bunch since. It's just one of those movies that I laugh hysterically at, and my wife looks at me like I'm a dumbass. <laughs> I first saw this in high school. I don't remember why, but like, um, my mom 
is kind of a fan of these kind of like comedies. He's very awkward kind of comedies like this. So I remember her saying, you watch this movie. It's funny. But what I, my first interaction was, I distinctly remember it at Blockbuster mm-hmm. because I remember the cover. I just remember the um, the office chair and like all the um, the post-it notes. And I remember as a kid going, that looks funny because when you're a kid, you're like, that looks funny. But I didn't watch it. Yeah, very lampoony. Yeah, very lampoony. But I didn't see it as a kid. And it wasn't until high school. And I thought it was fine in high school. And I was like, okay, this is fine. There's some quotable moments. I, I, I knew people, kind of like Monty Python and the Holy Grail, who loved office space and quoted it all the time i was like okay it's just fine it's it's okay it's um there's some good moments and which we'll get into later but and it kind of slags and then the second half when i first saw it so i was like oh, it was okay yeah it definitely kind of lulls it's a, definitely a first act and a third act funny and like the second one can kind of be mundane which maybe is on purpose but, maybe, maybe we'll disagree uh, on this movie for once. It'll be interesting when we get there. But um, so what about now? You know, now that you're um, an old, old man, we have careers now. Looking back on this, what's your recent reaction to watching Office Space? Love it. We end the podcast there. Damn, it feels good to be a gangster. Feeding the poor and helping out with their bills. <laughs> I honestly thought we were watching Office Christmas Party with Jason Bateman and Jennifer Aniston. <sighs> I didn't love that. I don't remember it. I I I was because I, I was typing into Amazon Prime and then Office Christmas Party popped up because it's the the holiday season. So I was like, oh, and I looked at it. and I'm like, I think I've seen this. I watched the trailer. I'm like, oh yeah, I have seen this, and I don't remember anything besides Courtney Vance concaves his head in on a, a fax machine. Yeah. Um, did you say you liked? office space this time i wasn't listening i swear to god one of these days i i i just kick this piece of shit out the window you and me both man i think it's lucky i'm not armed oh i didn't got into it. i asked you first yeah oh yeah yeah love it i i love it more than ever i think and we can talk about this later i laugh at almost every line like it i think most of the lines are funny this is surprisingly a dense comedy where they don't really waste a lot and it's an hour and a half. So refreshing to watch a movie that's not two and a half hours. <laughs> God. I am getting so sick of looking at run times and seeing two and a half hours. It, it fucking... Now that I watch movies all the time, I really appreciate a short film. Hey, if um, it is impressive when a movie can like do it 90 minutes and it's cohesive and works. I... I enjoy me some long ass movies. Like, you know. But um, it always nice to have a 90 minute movie in and out turn it on and off and move on with my life i can actually do things for my day <laughs> yeah um, so i'm being like wow i guess i have to pay attention to something for three hours your adhd is kicking in my recent reaction just watching this last night is i loved it i um i think i appreciate it now that i'm older like uh we'll get into the three things but i loved it like the first hour of this i'm not laughing out loud hysterically, but I'm just sitting there giggling to myself the entire time. Just like going, yep, uh, yep, uh, yep. <laughs> just like the relatability of being an adult to this is super important, at least to me, to enjoy this movie. Just like I can connect to a lot of the things in this. Def- yeah, it's it's scarily relatable. <laughs> and as we all venture deeper and deeper into the metaverse... Will become more and more relatable as we are harvested for our energy, <laughs> and we get more suicidal as we get older. Last week, right after he found out he was getting laid off, 
he goes home and tries to kill himself by running the car in the garage. Okay, uh, let's dive into the meat here. Three things you love. What's the number one thing that pops into your head when you love this movie, Shane? Lawrence. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> he is fucking hilarious. This, this, okay, for the uninitiated, describe who Lawrence is. Lawrence is a mullet-wearing, goatee-having, uh, the next-door neighbor who talks through the drywall and listens to everything. He's just, he's basically uh, the character from Home Improvement on the other side of the fence, kind of. Yeah, he's definitely like that sitcom character that's just always listening and jumps in. Maybe like a Muppet, like a horny Muppet. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he's basically like kind of who Peter envies. He, he kind of wants to be Lawrence in a roundabout way. And Lawrence is the only one who really makes sense in all of this because he doesn't give a fuck. He just wants to get drunk and fish and do the drywall at the McDonald's down in Lameda. Yeah, he's doing that. Hey, Peter, man. Check out Channel 9. Check out this chick. Damn it. Lawrence, can't you just pretend like we can't hear each other through the wall? He kind of plays like the, um, like you said, everyone has that neighbor or that friend who's kind of not coasting through life but has found their rhythm and they fully enjoy that rhythm so the people who are kind of suffering or hate their jobs kind of respect them and also kind of hate them because it's like man i wish i had kind of your your casual outlook on life because me being like a he's a simple man with simple needs exactly because me being like a nihilist cynic go like man i could just turn my brain off and do something that's a little more Let's require me to work on my goddamn weekends. Yeah. I mean, it's it culminates all with your intro to Lawrence where they go, what would you do with a million dollars? Lawrence, what would you do if you had a million dollars? I'll tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time, man. That's it? You had a million dollars, you, you'd do two chicks at the same time? Damn straight. I always wanted to do that, man. And I think if I were a millionaire, I could hook that up, too, because chicks dig dudes with money. Well, not all chicks. Well, the type of chicks that double up on a dude like me do. <laughs> <laughs> I think this kind of uh, dives us into the side characters. There's a lot of great side characters in mm-hmm. this movie that um, that just kind of connect to like different people. That if you, I never worked in an office, but if you work in, in a professional environment, you kind of can like connect these dots of like, oh, I know a person like this and that. Like, uh, we can start naming a couple. We, I guess we can go to the big one, right, Milton. Mm-hmm. He's the most famous. Yeah, he's... he's He is what people think of when they think of this movie. Yeah, it's... So, um, my stapler. Yeah, Mike Judge wrote the um, the comic strip. Was it Dilbert or is it called Milton? Oh, Dilbert. Uh, whatever it is. He wrote that and then kind of adapted that into the screenplay there. And Milton just plays this the awkward guy in the office who kind of mutters to himself and... Everyone tries to not get too stuck in the conversation with them for too long because it's rambly. And then, and then they, um, uh, oh my god, I almost called him Bill Ingvall. Um, but what's his name? Who's Bill the, Lumberg. Yeah, Bill Lumberg just enjoys and gets off on torturing him because he can't stand <laughs> up for himself. And then, obviously, the most quotable line in the entire film is just, "I'm gonna burn this place to the ground." Mine's, we fixed the glitch. (laughs) (laughs) I love that scene when they're just sitting in there and it's just so harsh and evil of just like, no, 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 we fixed fixed the glitch. (laughs) Is that he was 
laid off five years ago and no one ever told him about it, but through some kind of glitch in the payroll department, he still gets a paycheck. So we just went ahead and fixed the glitch. Mm. Great. So uh, Milton has been let go. Well, just a second there, Professor. We, uh, we fixed the glitch. So he won't be receiving a paycheck anymore, so it'll just work itself out naturally. We always like to avoid confrontation whenever possible. I guess we can come to my the second one of my favorite things. Um, it's the two uh, consultants. Oh, yes, Bobs. And all the interactions with them. It's not so much the two Bobs are that funny. It's what they do to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> like when that guy is like, I'm good with people. Don't you fucking get it? I talk to people. God. <laughs> yes, I. Uh, one of my things is the uh, the visuals, the visual gags and things, but the, the but like the, the framing in that scene where the, the scene setup is um is it Stoklowski or whatever his name is Tom or whatever mm-hmm. it is, he's basically um they're basically getting ready to fire him. They're they're um productivity management people basically come in to fire people and they just like zoom in on Tom's face. He's sweaty and freaking out, and then they kind of just leave <laughs> this really flat shot on the two bobs, just kind of staring at him and their mannerisms and their visuals. Yeah, the one, the redhead. I God, I love him as an actor. I forgot his name. I'm sure you'll nail it. With the stu- that awful mustache that loves Michael Bolton. Oh, yeah, the the guy from Scrubs, uh, John McGinley, yeah. something like that. He's so perfect. Because he's, like, totally fake happy, but you can tell they're totally just evil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, they, uh, like, all the upper management just gets off on torturing the people within this office, and that's my number one thing I love about this. Watching this um, most recent time is it perfectly encapsulates everyday office misery. Just yeah. and I, I love it. Like I'm guessing I don't know the his I don't I didn't do any backstory research, but I'm guessing Mike Judge spent some time working dead end jobs, and this is probably what inspired him for you know for obviously for Dilbert, and then from there into all these things. Just like the idea of Inatech, the the name Inatech is everything you need to know. It's involves technology and it's the most bland generic thing name ever and it's perfectly capsulates just like and no one can really describe what they do yes it's just a bunch of mumbo jumbo but no one really like says what inatech does yes and that's and that's what's a perfectly kind of just if you ever had a job you hate you can just fill in the blanks there of like it doesn't matter what they do what matters is they just cause misery to all their employees <laughs> there's so many amazing like these group shots where they're all just grouped together, like, you know, like, it's like a menagerie of just, like, miserable people, and they're singing a song for Bill, for, um... Bill Lumberg. For Bill Lumberg all the time, and they're all Lumberg sitting there. Lumberg fucked her. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, whenever Lumberg's giving these speeches, they all just, like, like corralled and miserable and listening to it, so it perfectly encapsulates. Held hostage and captive audience. Exactly. Um, I love, um... It also goes, like, the visual gags later. I love, like, the, the um... The beginning traffic scene, there's not a lot of dialogue, <laughs> but the visuals say everything. Where, like, um, Ron Livingston's trying to go in and out of swerving out of uh, intersections, not intersections, but in and out of lanes to kind of get faster and he gets stuck there. And then, like, an old man's walking faster than him. It's perfect visual gag, but it captures just like if you live in California, the misery of commuting. Oh, anyone that's lived in California for 20 minutes can relate to that traffic. And. I forgot the scene, but um, I forgot his name, the actor, the one that acts all hard and has Navy SEAL posters everywhere. I was going to bring that up. David Harmon plays Michael Bolton. Mm-hmm. Michael Bolton, yeah. 
when he's like jamming out to like hard like Tupac, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Yeah, I'll cap any motherfucker that steps to me." And then like he sees like a black guy selling flowers, and he like locks his doors and turns down his rap music and hides, and like. He walks by and then he turns the music back up and starts acting gangster. <laughs> yeah, he's just like this. He's such a weaselly, pathetic person. And we'll get yeah. into this a little bit later. Like, um, he's very homophobic. It's kind of like. There's out. a couple jokes, including that one. That I was like, that would have been written right out of the writer's room. Yeah, well, it's, it's late 90s. It's, it's a product of his time, but like, my, but he says some really fucking racy things about gay people, to say the least. Um, yeah. I love the little things. I love that um, set up. A lot of things are set up and pay off really well. But a little one I like is when uh, Ron Livingston keeps keep shocking himself every time he opens the door. <laughs> and then later when he's like has his transformation metamorphosis, he takes it off. I love the repetition of everything. His bosses keep coming back and telling him, TPS reports, TPS reports. And um, I love it. I love the needless power struggles of authority. Like all like um, for like... Uh, like Bill and, then, and like his other seven bosses are fighting for I'm in charge. I'm in charge, <laughs> <laughs> right? But they're all in charge of the same people. Yep. I, um, I also going with like the idea of office misery. There's always that guy that you work with who has ideas, but like who talks about it's great to have an idea or a great invention, but doesn't have any good ones of their own. So you have Tom's like um, jump to conclusions <laughs> board. <laughs> it's a jump to conclusions, man. That is the stupidest idea I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> Truly terrible. <laughs> um, and then Samir, how they keep fucking up his name. Yes. Samir, nana, nana, not gonna work here anymore. That's what the, the, <laughs> <laughs> the most remotely like a foreign name is just like butchered. It's like and and, 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 and he even says it like you just sound this out. I said that hard. Nahina <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Um, there's always a Milton in the office. There's always that guy, like, you're kind of nervous about that, like, you know what? <laughs> Be nice to him because you don't want him coming back with, like, um, a gun or a stapler and just, like, killing everybody. But I said, I, I don't care if they lay me off either because I told, I told Bill that if they move my desk one more time, then, then I'm, then I'm quitting. I'm going to quit. And, and, and I told Dom the too because they've moved the radio at a reasonable volume already from nine I, here, and I used to be I, able I to build that window. If this week Sandra's I going to in this, this world, her headphones leave you while she's working, falling, then I should be able to listen to the radio while I'm going I like one scene which reminds me like The Matrix is Peter's trying to sneak away from his boss, and a certain time of the year. I'm not going to give away what my job is or what our jobs are, but I can relate to like trying to sneak off from your bus and leave a little early. <laughs> I just can so relate to that. And then you like actually run into your boss like, God damn it. Also, office space, you can just see that it totally um, influenced and basically made my favorite, I guess, comedy sitcom of all time, Workaholics. Oh, yeah. God, like it's basically an office space just with drunks. But... Um, yeah, they they even have the uh, the blonde not Adam Devine pop and do the O face joke. I was like, oh, that's Adam Devine, like hundred percent. I'm thinking I might take that new chick from logistics. Things go well, I might be showing her my O face. Oh, oh, oh! You know what I'm talking about? Oh, <laughs> yeah. The thing everyone hates about Anders is his disrespect for women. You know, he treats chicks like second grade citizens, and they're not. How did you get in here? If I were Anders, I'd punch you in the face for asking something like that. But I'm not. Thank God I'm Adam and I love women, all women. 
all shapes and sizes. I just love them. God, I love that guy too. Cause they nailed that too. There's always the one guy that's way inappropriate. The overly sexualized guy who doesn't get laid at all, but pretends like he gets laid way too, like more than he does. Yep. He's got those sweet sunglasses. There, did, did you watch the uh, TV show with uh, Ricky Gervais called Afterlife on Netflix? No, but I have heard it is good. I do, I do like Ricky Gervais because he always has Steve Merchant, and I like Steve Merchant a lot. Steve Merchant isn't in that, unfortunately. But uh, but what but the, the fuck? But they're they're a good combo. <laughs> but um, but they're uh, in that TV show. It's kind of like that. Like there's like he works for like a, a really low end like news like local news company. And he's miserable. But there's um, his therapist is like it's the same kind of character like that he's like where he's overly compensates for sexuality and says like he fucks all the time and this and that he's just like this like dude bro it's amazing to have like a a therapist be like this awful awful misogynistic dude bro it's a really good uh juxtaposition that sounds like a therapist i want to go to (laughs) well it's um it's it's played it's super funny but it's played for like oh my god he's giving him like advice to either kill himself or go get laid (laughs) I hate to think I've upset her in some way. Well, she just doesn't love me anymore. Don't worry about it. What do you mean? Is that advice? Yeah. Just don't worry about it, mate. Yeah, just not that easy, though, is it? You know, it's like saying, don't worry that you're bleeding. You know, just by saying that, it doesn't go away. I was bleeding from the anus for a month last year, and I never went to the doctor. No, of course not. What I'm saying is you've got to ignore worrying about her and start doing stuff. Yeah. You should come out with me, Ratty, and the nonce. The nonce? Real name, Ian Troughton. But we call him the nonce, or pedo Ian. I mean, he's not a real kitty fiddler. It's, uh, it's an in-joke. Oh. He fucked a dwarf once when he was off his head. He said it was like fucking a child. I mean, there really are only two choices in life. <laughs> <laughs> It's potential podcast. No way believes there's only two choices in life. No, that's 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 false. I, yeah. <laughs> if you're not getting laid, kill yourself. If oh you're getting my. laid, don't kill yourself. Happy holidays. Um, Happy holidays. <laughs> uh, the the uh, Jennifer Aniston Joanna's flair. That's a, a classic um, moment. But a great thing about like a, a boss mm. trying to encourage you to to you know care more than minimum, even though you're working for minimum wage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that whole thing where he's like. He can't tell her to do more because it's not contractually obligated, but he's telling her to do more. And I, um... We need to talk about your flair. Really? I, I have 15 pieces on. I, I well, well, okay, 15 is the minimum. Okay? Okay. Now, you know, it's up to you whether or not you want to just do the bare minimum or, uh... Well, like Brian, for example, has 37 pieces of flair on today. Okay. Mm. A terrific smile. Okay, so you you want me to wear more? Look, Joanna. Yeah. People can get a cheeseburger anywhere. Okay, they come to Chachkis for the atmosphere and the attitude. Okay, that's what the flair is about. It's about fun. Yeah. Okay, so more than yeah. We want you to express yourself. Okay. Now, if you feel that the bare minimum is enough, then okay. But some people choose to wear more, and we encourage that. Okay. You do want to express yourself, don't you? Yeah. Okay, great, great. That's all I ask. 
all these like pathetic incentives like hey um, are you interested in possible um, stock options or hey Peter if you if you take this job you'll be in charge of four people it's a really big promotion <laughs> just like <laughs> these pathetic things that like don't motivate people at all treating people like commodities <laughs> and just yeah. cogs and that whole scene we need to talk do you know what this is about my uh flair yeah or uh your lack of flair because uh i'm counting and i only see 15 pieces if you want me to wear 37 pieces of flair like your uh, pretty boy over there brian why don't you just make the minimum 37 pieces of flair and it just reminds me of Spinal Tap, where he's like, I mean, like, I'm jamming at 10, and I I need the extra, so I kick it to 11. He's like, well, why don't you just jam at 9? And then when you need the extra, you just kick it to 10. But this one goes to 11. <laughs> Speaking of, like, deadpan comedies, <laughs> Spinal Tap. <laughs> I, I'm learning I really, really, really love that super dry humor. God, it's my favorite. It's hard because, like, you mentioned your wife hated this and my wife didn't watch this with me because I knew she would hate it. It's, you got to be in a mood for those things. That I think it's just, like, it takes a certain, like, frame of mind. I think in general with comedies, you got to be in a mood for certain comedies. Some comedies are, like, always, always funny. Like your stepbrothers and your anchorman. Yeah, yeah, Ghostbusters, like, things like that where it's, like, well, I guess that's dry, but even Ghostbusters is, like, it's entertaining, but also really funny. Kind of, it has two Can things you going insert queef jokes so that people think we're actually talking about the the worst Ghostbusters of all time? <laughs> well, here's our part. Is it Afterlife or is it 2016? <laughs> I don't know, man. I think I think we all know which one's the worst. Uh, it's Ghostbusters 2. Hey! Yeah. <laughs> hey! Yeah. Alright, got him good, fuckers. <laughs> is that what that smell is? Okay, what else you love about this? Um, oh, I love... Oof. I love and hate Ron Livingston's character. Because I like him when he's hypnotized. But then, like, he kind of breaks his hypnosis mid-movie because the character can't function <laughs> under the premise that they put him. So they had to, mm -hmm. like, lighten him up. But when he gave zero fucks, and he's just <laughs> showing up and, like, sandals and skinning fish and just ignoring Lumberg and gets a promotion because of it. <laughs> and he like goes in there. Like he basically just tells like the consultants that he does 15 minutes of work a day and gives a flying fuck about this job. <laughs> and they're like upper management right there. That definitely working in organizations that love to use the buzzword leadership mm -hmm. where the, the, the solve all for anything is, Oh, why did this guy murder his cousin? Well, because he wasn't provided proper leadership. <laughs> you weren't demonstrating great leadership. So that's why he raped and murdered 27 people. Like, it, where no one's individually responsible in the organization, it's just all a leadership problem. <laughs> like, I fucking hate that shit. And it is so funny to see them do that with him. I love your analogy because what scenario does anyone say, hey, why did they rape and murder their 
their brother or cousin ever used to like like what work environment does that happen can you um god i'll find the clip insert from hell baby when the two priests they're like how often do you do exorcisms of the devil and babies and you guys get a lot of these you'd be surprised kind of yeah mm. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that's my number three i really like ron livingston in this um i like i like him a lot and and we can talk about that change because then he gets kind of like becomes a prick but i I love how like miserably sad sap of a protagonist he is (laughs) but then uh, i love how he becomes peter vankman i was thinking that the entire time i was like it's like oh he goes from like a sad kind of you know like that person in the workplace who like has like a sad philosophy of life but is not willing to take his own advice and then when he becomes aloof, he becomes Peter Venkman, where he, where he basically is willing to sell out all of his friends' dreams for money. Mm-hmm. So it's very much kind of like that. Um, I like I love that everyone knows his girlfriend's cheating on him, and he's just <laughs> too blind to like even see. He goes, "I think she's cheating on me." And they go, yeah, "Yeah, yeah, of course." Everyone goes, "Yeah, I get that feeling too." <laughs> or like when Lawrence is like, "Yeah, she just looks like the kind of girl that." <laughs> He's like, um, he's beyond unhappy and stuck. So he kind of, he kind of plays the everyman where like, you're supposed to insert yourself into his character because like, he's just stuck in a job he hates, but then he also desires to do nothing, which is, I like, I'm noticing it now as older. It's like, it's like, oh, we're supposed to like put ourselves in his shoes and then like, and like the movie rewards him for being aloof and not caring but then it goes too far to a point where it like self-sabotages. So it's, I, I like his little character arc there. So, where do you uh, work, Peter? In a tech. And yeah, what what do you do there? It doesn't really matter. I uh, I don't like my job, and uh, I don't think I'm gonna go anymore. You're just not gonna go? Yeah. Won't you get fired? I don't know. But I really don't like it, and uh, I'm not gonna go. Um, when did you decide all of that? About an hour ago. Really? Yeah. An hour ago. So are you going to get another job? I don't think I'd like another job. <laughs> what are you going to do about money and bills and... You know, I've never really liked paying bills. I don't think I'm going to do that either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's basically like um, what everyone wishes they could do. But they couldn't do because that's not how society operates. Where like you can do whatever you want to all the time, unless you know you're you're one percent of filthy rich people who can be like, I'll act in a movie and then I can just jerk off for the rest of the eat m-. the rich. <laughs> but Burn one it line down. <laughs> one line I love. It's um. So I was sitting in my cubicle today and I realized, ever since I started working, um, every single day of my life has been worse than the day before it so that means that every single day that you see me that's on the worst day of my life what about today is today the worst day of your life yeah wow that's messed up i'm sorry go on but you know it's funny because the hypnotherapist laughs at it because he's like it's so pathetically funny it's it's great i i, I love that i love that scene a lot it's a great scene in general but like that line is so perfect it encapsulates just like a person who's just tired of existing in this world. So then I like that his uh, his devil may care attitude makes him like completely honest and makes it funny. But then he eventually starts risking his friends' careers, which I know they're getting fired, but still 
they're risking jail time. He tells, um, and then I love the scene when like um, they like they, they they make a pact. Don't tell anyone. This is our secret. <laughs> and then because Joanna Jennifer Anderson is so hot, he tells her like, immediately. Oh yeah. Which she you know so that's, that's that's the most realistic thing in the entire world. Oh yeah, everyone tells their wives everything. Like wives hold the destruction for the entire kingdom. And husbands. And um uh, and but, husbands. <laughs> and but cats. I love that like um that scene's super important because like we're on Ron Livington's side, but then Jennifer Aniston, like, who also plays the person she's kinda like the the more pragmatic Ron Livingston, mm-hmm. where it's kinda like she hates her job too, but she's not as careless about it. But then when he's when she when he's telling her the whole plan she goes, oh, that's stealing. So then basically <laughs> she's showing the morals, like he's being immoral. And then because of her, we figure out he's jealous, he's petty, he's spineless. So like uh, she's kind of like the catalyst to show like how like it's okay to want to change your life, but you can't be like an absolute prick because you just kind of burn everything down. Ironically, um, and this isn't really a dig on him, this entire movie plot is how he plans to like pay for universal health care. Where you t- you you collect the fractions of a penny that occur with any transaction on like Wall Street as like a tax, and I was like, huh, because I remember listening to him explain it, and I was like, that's the plot to Office Space. Oh, Bernie. Yeah, I'm a huge huh? Bernie bro. Let's go, let's go, 2024. <laughs> Straight out of the nursing home. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I actually, what I like about a good comedy is like. Um, the character arc isn't that complex, but for me, it's fully fleshed out, and I like that because I was thinking towards the end, like, like, wow, he's an asshole. He's like really not likable, but then mm-hmm. the Jennifer Aniston kind of saves him, and I love that Lawrence has the best line: "I don't want you fucking up my life too." Yeah, fuck you, man. <laughs> you're fucking up my life too, man. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, you know what? You're doing the impression now. I'm just thinking, obviously, Boomhauer. It's very much like the Mike Judd uh, also yes. created a King of the Hill, which is a, an excellent animated show that's like it gets lost under the Simpsons, but I think there's a, it's a great, great show too. If you ever want to laugh, just watch the Let Go of My Purse self defense. Yes. Episode. <laughs> <laughs> we have we have some history with that one. Remember watching that up in Mammoth? <laughs> I don't was, know you. <laughs> <laughs> Women who are attacked are subdued by verbal threats. Today we're going to get used to hearing these threats, keeping our cool, and practicing some responses of our own to the most vulnerable areas of a man's anatomy. Give me your purse. That's my purse. I don't know you. That's a great one. Um, but yeah, I, I like Ron Livingston's character and I like his character arc. I, I know you weren't a huge fan of it as much, but I really like that Mike Judge understands that you need to have a good character thing, otherwise your character's unlikable because how familiar are you with, with Mike Judge's like later work, more recent stuff? Um like what? Like a idiocracy or like mm. extract. I, I like them. Extract, I felt like, wasn't as funny. Maybe I haven't watched it in a long time. I remember it being a little darker. Idiocracy was funny, though. I, you can quote Idiocracy all the time. That one is more like, it kind of hurts because it's such a dig on society and it hits real close to home. <laughs> no, well, like, that one's a great, it's it's not the funniest. It's it's really, it's really dumb, but it's also a really, a really it's kind of a whole point of it. Because it's called Idiocracy, and it's a perfect, like, satire on us. So, yeah, like you said, it kind of hits a little too close to home. But that one's really funny. 
Extract I don't like because all the characters are so unlikable. Yeah. Like, there's nothing redeemable, but, like, in this movie, he does a great job of bringing them back, making them likable and funny, because otherwise Ron Livingston's just, like, he's an absolute prick. Even Bill Lumberg's kind of likable, because he's not a complete asshole. I mean, he is, but at the same time, like, he seems just kind of like a normal douchebaggy boss, but, like, he's kind of a person. Uh, the only person he's really mean to is Milton. The reason everyone really hates him is because they also hate their life, too. He's just the manifestation <laughs> of their hatred. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, because, yeah, he gets off on the power, and that's kind of like the obnoxiousness of it, but he's not, he's evil to Milton, but he's not, I don't know, because, like, he's trying to prevent Peter from getting the thing. He's, he's trying to squash him down because he, he doesn't like Peter, and he wants to keep that power. So, I don't know, he's not evil, but he's definitely, like, you know, a prick. Oh, he's definitely a prick. I just love when um, he's they're like, yeah, that Peter guy, upper management for sure. Like, we, and then he's like, yeah, um, mm, gonna have to disagree with you there. And then they start interviewing him. They're like, so what do you say you do here? Speaking of which, Shane, what the fuck is the TPS report? Time per soundbite. <laughs> it's a test procedure speculation and all that basically is is just like when like on auditing companies or like companies that have to like work in like uh, testing how things are quality assurance type of stuff like that it just basically shows like oh this works this works this works it's one of those, one of those bureaucratic nightmare type of things of like oh do a write-up after any kind of incident type of thing that sounds truly awful yeah, I think it's just the embodiment of bureaucracy and just, like, why working any job with, like, um, you know, data management, testing, or computer stuff is miserable. Oh, any job's miserable. Quit your jobs today. Get laid instead. <laughs> Which potential podcast encourages unemployment. Yes, we do. You make more money now. <laughs> Suck off the teat of the government. How do you think I do this podcast? <laughs> Your tax dollars are funding this fucking podcast. Suck my cock. <laughs> Waste Potential Podcast is brought to you by your tax dollars. Yeah, um, Bernie, Bernie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what else you got? Um, oh, this is kind of adding on to things I love, but I really, really, really love this time the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. It was freaking awesome, and it fits so perfect. And did the Ghetto Boys do all the music other than the Tupac song? Uh, I don't think all of it. They obviously did. Damn, it feels good to be a gangster. So it's um, mm-hmm. a lot of great hip hop, like '90s hip, like mid '90s hip hop. So that's they like they do the credits too. I think. Okay. The cre- yeah, the it's definitely song. my uh, my type of jam right there. At one point, I thought it was Wu Tang when they were uh, beating up the the uh, copy machine. I'm like, oh no, that's not them. But I like the the like the conglomerate jump thing. I was like, I thought at first it was, but it definitely wasn't. Yeah, I, I really like the soundtrack, like the hardcore rap set, like kind of like that 90s hardcore gangster rap set against these <laughs> three wimpy 
men. <laughs> yeah, it's just like the kind of the the whole embodiment of like you know like like uh, wishing you were someone who was you know tough or like had the balls to do anything. So it's it's a good kind of like um kind of motif to add like you know these like you said wimpy guys who don't have the balls to do anything and then it's like yeah I got to pump them up with this. <laughs> I love like I mentioned before. I mentioned before, I love the visual stuff. There's a lot of good visual comedy. I mentioned the traffic scene. I love the office workspace claustrophobia when we first get introduced to Peter's workspace where it's just like a jail cell, basically, and it's just so <laughs> done like this. Um, all the personnel who are just obnoxious that you work with, like you know, like, like the, the secretary or the clerk who's just like super high-pitched and like uh, everything's super happy and helpful and it's like oh god <laughs> yes and then i love um what's his face uh, lawrence's response to that let me ask you something when you come in on monday and you're not feeling real well does anyone ever say to you sounds like someone has a case of the mondays no no man shit no man i believe you get your ass kicked saying something like that man <laughs> <laughs> i love um I think it's Stoklowski, the, the the big old fat guy running across the field. He's just running <laughs> to the guys after they're coming back from uh from um what's what's the name of the restaurant? The Chili's insert. Oh um, Chotsky's. Flanagan's? No. Um, Chotsky's. Yeah, Chotsky's. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I love when they're coming back and he's like running across the field for no reason to tell them um, <laughs> that they're all gonna get canned. Yeah. <laughs> this is bullshit. Oh, um, that when he. Probably the I'm gonna say this is the funniest like message of the whole movie, where he they celebrate him getting crushed by a drunk driver after he tried to kill himself, <laughs> and he gets a settlement. So like he's paralyzed for life, but he never has to work again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're all like, "Oh, what a lucky son of a bitch!" <laughs> yeah, it's super dark, but it's also like that really dark dot that we all have in our head, like. Man, if I could get hit by a car, I can just not work forever. <laughs> He's like, one day, Peter, you could be lucky like me. <laughs> I know, it's so dark. And it's kind of like, it's super like sad, but also there's a truism to it of like, if you keep pushing, you'll find your happiness out there. If you keep finding something, but it's like also, dude, you got hit by a fucking truck. <laughs> so get this, he tries to kill himself. <laughs> I know, it's so dark. He backs up and gets smashed and they're like, lucky son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a lot of darkness in this. Uh, like mm. the the whole ending with the fire, obviously. Like you know, he didn't even think about mm-hmm. burning down the building with people in it. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. I love the visuals, the montage of Peter changing the office, just pull, destroying the doors, dropping down his um his cubicle, so you can see outside. It's a really good montage of visuals where him just like cutting open the fish and just gutting it on the TPS report. It's a lot of good visual stuff. Yeah. Um, I guess we gotta talk about what we dislike. Um, last one. I love it's 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 super lame, but it's perfect for the movie. It's super deadpan. This is something that make our make our lives go. This is not funny. It's like they do like that that fake Mission Impossible Ocean's Eleven montage where like sneaking the floppy disk oh, in yeah. the um, in the office easy. and they go, yeah, exactly. It's perfect. It's a perfect <laughs> setup and payoff. Oh, that was actually easy because no one's paying attention because it's an office job. <laughs> <laughs> no one gives a shit. Okay. Let's gear up our um, our shit meters. Um, Shane, what's one change you'd want to make in this movie? I don't know if I need that three hundred thousand um, dollars like heist scheme. I feel like it kind of takes away from it. I 
I'm torn because I don't know exactly what I'd put in there, so it's like kind of a critic's thought. Like, I, I don't really have much answer for it, but it feels mm. out of place to me. Yes, that's my actual change, which I think we can dive into now. My fake change was they should have replaced Jennifer Aniston with Courtney Cox as Joanna. Mm. Yeah, she would make more sense. No, I was just joking because I know you hate Courtney Cox. That was my joke. Oh. Because I actually think Jennifer Aniston's great, and most of the movies we talk about have like no female roles because <laughs> we're sexist. But uh, she actually has a really good role, I think, and actually plays like the the catalyst for like Peter realizing, oh, like you can change properly as opposed to just being a dick. Yeah, I'm gonna do a complete 180 so I don't look like a sexist. Loved her. Um, <laughs> no, you're right though. She plays the straight guy in a way. Or straight woman. Uh, whatever the fuck. Off. Oh, um, cancel, 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 cancel. Ah, ah, ah. Um, how will I feed my cats? Um, <laughs> so she plays the straight character where, like, she's the only reasonable one of them all. Yeah. <laughs> like, she she just... It's perfect. And she plays it really well. She's, um... She fits well, too. Like, Jennifer Aniston is a gorgeous woman. But they they play it as like she looks like like an every like an everyday like beautiful woman you know like she's just cast well everything feels normal it's not like he met Kate Upton at Tchotchkes and was like oh this is my girlfriend everybody <laughs> <laughs> yeah well well the uh, the Tchotchkes uniform makes Jennifer Aniston look a little more plain but that's true when she's she there... could have gone horrible bosses on us mm. yeah but, but like when she's wearing like his uh, his uh, his work shirt I'm like oh Ugh. that's uh, she's way out of his league oh and Lawrence right everyone gets just to get oogled <laughs> <laughs> okay uh, but let's go to the real thing I think the third act is not as interesting with the plan like you mentioned the the conflict of uh, Peter's getting promoted. His friends are getting fired. So they have the Superman three plot, uh, which I don't know. I've never seen the movie. I'm not sure if that's like an inside joke. That's actually what happens in the movie. Yeah. But, um, the conflict is not as interesting to me. Yeah. It's, it's important that it brings out like, you know, the problem with Peter, like his aloofness becomes selfish and dangerous. But the, the third act to me is not as funny and it's not as interesting because then they just kind of start turning on each other and become even whinier so it's not it's not bad i don't think it's bad anyway and it kind of works for the movie but to me it's not as interesting when that kicks up yeah and the fact that they all blame him i'm like wait a fucking second like the one guy wrote the goddamn program Mm -hmm. like the other broke into a bank code or whatever like they all were participating and they're like oh you convinced us it didn't take much convincing. No, and but like the the point being is, I think um, I can't remember his name now. When I mess this up and sound racist, hold on. Samir. Yeah, uh, Samir says like he kind of took uh, took advantage of them emotionally because they were getting fired. So he kind of Peter having the upper hand kind of manipulates them because he knows like they're going to get fired. So I can kind of use it, and I don't think that was his intention. I think his his lack of caring. Makes him just do whatever, but their point of like, we were you know manipulated. It's hundred percent their fault. They have the blame too, but like he kind of coerces them into doing it. I don't know that that that, that whole thing's kind of the weakest to me. 
There are so plenty of jokes like, oh yeah, we'll just go to white collar prison where they, you get conjugal visits. And they're like, no, 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 we're going to go to pound me in the ass prison. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that, that's a good setup though because they say they have conjugal visits and then they go to the um, the office party and then like the lawyer is there and he goes, that's not true. And they go, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, the key is you got to find the biggest guy in the yard and knock him out. That or find a girlfriend or something like that. <laughs> otherwise, you'll be a bitch. Um, but yeah, the, the third act is not as strong. And then like um, when, when Peter gets petty about like Joanna fucking Lumberg, I get that. It's supposed to be funny, but it's also just like shows, yeah, he's just like, not only being a shithead and he's not as likable. So the third act for Peter makes him likable. His resolution at the end is kind of, is forgiving enough when he kind of finds a better job. But like he's, he becomes an unforgivable prick from the last like 20 minutes of the movie. Yeah. I think he says those exact words. Yeah. That's probably where I'm stealing it from. Ah. Um, but yeah, that's it. Like, I I think it's pretty solid until that's that part. The third act has always been a little slow for me. And it's like you said, there's still some good jokes in it, but just the, the stealing plot is not as interesting. I think just the office comedy, but once again, you have to have a conflict. You can't have, 90 minutes with no, like, conflict. Yeah, that's why I said I don't really know right now what I'd replace it with. I just... That was the weaker part for me. Um, something else I didn't like. Oh, 90s car designs. Jesus <laughs> Christ. I mean, the RX-7 and the Porsche look pretty, but everything else... What the fuck, Ford? The Oldsmobiles, like, some of those car... 90s cars were fucking ugly, dude. <laughs> I think right now, 90s nostalgia is coming back, and I don't like 80s nostalgia, but 90s nostalgia is even worse. Like, there's nothing redeemable in the 90s. Like, you can argue, I guess if you're weird, you like grunge music still, which I'm not doubting it, but I don't think it's aged well, or or like new metal. But nothing in the 90s is good, and uh, so it's Mike Judge's fault entirely for the car designs in the 90s. Yeah, and I, I can't stand it because i like nirvana but if i you can't listen to a goddamn radio station without listening to nirvana five times like i get it we all smell like teen spirit fuck off waste potential podcast believes if you're an adult you shouldn't smell like teen spirit yeah um a couple little things you know what's really weird i don't know if this is funny is that funny to me it's funny to you the kung fu how weird is that like like peter mm. and Joanna just like kung fu and then, and it's played for laughs and I don't really get think it's funny. Yeah, where she's just like, oh my god, you like you like fucking kung fu? I'll fuck you if I show you. <laughs> uh, maybe I don't have any like I don't know. I don't really care for kung fu. I like Wu Tang, but that's about as as kung fu <laughs> as I get. <laughs> that's like the lightest thing I've ever heard. Ironically, I don't yeah. like kung fu. I do like Wu Tang. <laughs> Um, that's kung those, fu, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you listen to um, the first album, it's very mm-hmm. get a lot of inserts. Um, I thought this is like um, it's it's kind of funny watching this movie now, like in a in a I don't know if we're still if it's still legally called a pandemic, but like in the post COVID kind of world where no one wants to do their job anymore. So it kind of captures that kind of timeliness of like no one wants to go back to work because it's like <laughs> they had some time off, like fuck going to my my job ever again. Can we do a compilation of now more than ever? Now more than ever. Now more than ever. Probably 
poison guacamole. <laughs> now more than ever. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not. A, I don't like to go back and say like things are so timely now. But I just I, I thought it was funny because now like when, when you go into a restaurant, like oh we're understaffed, or you go into um, a store, we're understaffed right now. I'm like I know, I get it. All right, what would you like to order? Just be advised that we have no chefs currently, so no promise on the food. Where are your chefs? They're at home smoking weed instead of at work smoking weed. (laughs) (laughs) And if you're a chef listening to this, you fucking know I'm telling the truth. (laughs) Um, I wouldn't change this because it's it's of his time. There's a lot of, like, um, gay slurs oh, to yeah. a point where at the yeah. very end in the outtakes, Lawrence drops the, uh, the F-bomb. I was like, oh, yeah. damn. <laughs> I know, yeah. I, I was unprepared for that, too. So, yeah, but, like, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't change it because I'm not a person who thinks changing things contextually is bad, but trigger warnings. <laughs> just a different time, man. <laughs> but, yeah, Michael Bolton's very... Um, oh, God. All yeah. of his insults are very... Um, gay kind of uh, focused <laughs> that no talent ass clown yep and then he says cornholing and he says yeah. um, watch your cornhole man uh is it oh no i was watching a different tv show i was watching um episodes for family the bill burr oh show, yeah and, and they call them uh, and they call them pickle sniffers i'm like oh my god <laughs> that is another show with a, a reigning endorsement from the Wasted Potential Podcast. Episodes for Love family. It. Anything Bill Burr is in. Speaking of which, side note, because we like to go rambly. I was watching that movie with Jake Gyllenhaal, the, um, where he's um, uh, a call responder. Um, no one oh, responder. No, that's a good movie. Uh, this one is the, um, not the host. What the fuck is it called? God damn it. Hold on. I'm taking a, taking a break here. I watched Love and Other Drugs the other day. I've never seen that. It's basically a porn about Viagra. And Jake Gyllenhaal. I thought it was like depression. No, it's Anne Hathaway has Parkinson's and he's like a... It's it's back when people hated Pfizer before they made Pfizer our new Jesus. Um, <laughs> this is this is before the, the, the return of the Pfizer. The resurgence. Jesus is coming back a second time. Um, the movie's called The Guilty. It's on Netflix. Hmm. Um, Bill Burr has a voice cameo for 15 seconds and it like wakes you up because the movie's like a, taking a fucking like sleeping pill and then all of a sudden you hear, God damn it, you piece of shit. I'm like, oh, I'm woken up. <laughs> Holy shit, I recognize that yelling. You know his voice. Um, I'm looking for other stuff here I wrote down. Um, oh, um, did you notice the um, Orlando Jones cameo? Yes. Yeah, where he's saying he's recovering crack addict <laughs> and he just worked it out at outer tech or in another in a tech pl- yeah like uh, 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 peter inotrope. calls it like uh, trope because uh, peter calls it uh, penetrope at the very end yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah orlando jones is funny he comes in tries to sell him magazine subscriptions and then mm-hmm. he goes i'm lying by the way and then he blackmails him I'm like this is most orlando jones because they're ever. being mildly racist because they're like they need to yes. figure out how to launder money and like wait you did crack? That means you know crack dealers. Yes. <laughs> it's like, this would be, I don't want to launder money, man. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then he blackmails him, which is, you know, a good mm-hmm. comeuppance. Well, yeah. What am, what, what am I going to do with 40 subscriptions to Vibe? <laughs> uh, Orlando Jones, man. You don't see him that much anymore. I, I saw him in Magnolia. Well, no, 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 no. I remember learning that he was in Magnolia and his part was completely cut. <laughs> <gasps> well, 
Last time we talked about him was evolution, and we try to forget about evolution. Oh, um, I mentioned in our evolution, he still does things. Not huge, but um, if go back to your evolution podcast. I talk about him. He's in things. Don't watch evolution, though. Oh, no, the movie's fucking terrible, and Shane's the worst person for making me watch that shit again. I think we've established that kaka kaka and tuki tuki don't work. Right. Sorry. Let's see anything else to add as we I got nothing else. I haven't received my paycheck. <laughs> Apparently it was <laughs> let go ten years ago. And just never was told. So. <laughs> and due to a glitch in payroll, he keeps getting paid. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, um, we highly rec. Well, it's, it's your movie, but I highly recommend Office Space. Spend four dollars on it if you like yourself mm-hmm. some um, deadpan comedies about the misery of working in um, the American, like you know, technology industry, or just a general hating your job. <laughs> yeah, and if you just need a lot of movie quotes to throw into everyday conversation. Yeah, it's one of those movies that like nerds like, because like. I'm guessing it was... I didn't do any research for this. We're just talking out of our asses. I'm I'm guessing it was a flop, right? This movie had to be a flop, probably. I'm assuming it couldn't have made a ton of money. Maybe it's it kind of a cult classic, I feel like. That's, that's usually when people talk about, like, cult classics is because they, you know, bombed, and then slowly they kind of gained an audience over time. I don't know if it's... I can't imagine it was a resounding success when it came out. I don't know. I, th- I feel like a lot of Mike Judge's stuff is like he's really funny. It's a lot of good stuff, but it's not always the most mainstream things. But um, fucking shit, watch it. It's great. So let's talk about love and other drugs. You see Anne yeah. Hathaway naked like so much. Oh my god! I'm gonna rent it now. You also see Gyllenhaal's ass. Zoom in. And Josh Gad. His ass? Not his ass. Well, no, you do see his ass too. Ensemble of Mass Clowns. This is the tale of Office Space. Wow, we're just grinding. All right, fuck off, everybody. Watch Office Space. <laughs> hey, Peter. Yeah. Watch out for your cornhole, bud. It feels good to be a gangster. A real gangster ass nigga plays his cards right. A real gangster ass nigga never runs his fucking mouth. Cause real gangster ass niggas don't stop. Papa, can you hear me? <laughs> I'm surprised Papa. you actually. Did you actually watch this movie or are you just doing it off of from the past? Did I watch Office Space? Of course. You never know. Of course I watched Office Space. My wife hated it. My, um. We went out to dinner and we were drinking, so we came back and then, like, she passed out, and I was like, well, fuck, I guess I'm going to watch Office Space by myself like a loser on a Saturday night. In the spirit of the movie. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was, I was like, uh, connecting to uh, Ron Livingston's character way too much. <laughs> I connected to Lawrence. Oh, yeah, of course you did. That's the only reason why you want to do this movie is because Lawrence and Milton. Channel 9! <laughs> <laughs> Breast exams! <laughs> 
dude, I lost my shit, and this is how I, I knew my wife and I just can't watch movies together, because when Lawrence says, you can insert it after this, but like, hey man, watch your cornhole. <laughs> <laughs> That's his heartfelt moment to Ron Livingston. Hey brother, watch, watch your cornhole in there. We're going to address that. I got some questions. Some comments. Um, okay, I'll introduce this since I'm interviewing you. And um, if you have a tirade to go off of to talk shit about people, do you want to do it now or do you want to do it at the end? Um, I'm not very drunk right now. Okay, so, but, so we'll save it for the end then. Uh, I do have some issues with some words that were said about me. <laughs> we'll do it. Th- about maybe my drug consumption before doing certain podcasts. <laughs> you have no talent, fucks. <laughs> you come in my house on my podcast and talk to... <laughs> I can't really talk shit up. I actually like them. <laughs> I know. We don't make bad podcasts. There's no one listens. Um, and his uh, his ad was hands down the funniest one. Oh, yeah. Goddamn, that was good. Okay. I hope they let us on. Insert Shane like saying a racial slur or something awful and then cut. <laughs> Got it. And Got it. Stop. <laughs> Happy holidays, bitches. <laughs> All right. Yeah, Bob. Gonna have to say that Shane here probably only works about fifteen minutes of any podcast in the remaining hour, hour and a half. I just stare off into the distance. Yeah, Ronnie, gonna have to just say that I do about 15 minutes of actual work during this podcast in about an hour. I'm just staring at nothingness and drinking till I'm blackout drunk. Yeah, um, gonna have to have you fill that glass about half full. Yeah, on Saturday, if you could just come in, Ronnie, and make sure that glass is half full on this Saturday, that'd be great. Yeah, don't know if you got the email from Shane, but it's all covered in the memo. Ronnie, has anyone ever told you looks like someone's glass is half empty? Oh, man. Fuck no. You get your ass beat saying something like that.